This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. We're really um, happy to kick off the afternoon session with a special tribute to Stacey Milburn. We were uh, very um, upset and, and uh, dismayed to hear of her passing uh, last year, and we've felt that this was um, appropriate to do a dedication to her at the meeting um, this year on our 20th anniversary conference. And before we introduce uh, Dolores Tejeda, who's going to give that tribute, I'd like to uh, just say a few words about Stacy, with whom I served on a couple of boards. And um, she was a dynamo and um, she also had a really good sense of humor and um, she contributed a chapter to um, Alice Wong's book Disability Visibility which was published last year and um, is available on Amazon and in your local bookstore. Her chapter's entitled On the Ancestral Plane, Crip, Hand-Me-Downs, and the Legacy of Our Movements, starts out, my favorite boots are socks. And it goes on from there. And if you know Stacy, if you knew Stacy, you'll love it. And if you didn't, you'll wish that you had known her. Mm-hmm. So is Dolores here? Do you have some other things to say? Uh, Dolores is here. And Dolores is um, also. Hi, Hi, there's Dolores. Welcome. And uh, Dolores Tejeda is a community organizer who uses a disability justice and intersectionality framework to work toward collective liberation. You have organized voter education, get out the vote campaigns and done all kinds of good things. Thank you, Dolores. And thank you for agreeing to give a tribute to our mutual friend, Stacy Milburn. Thank you. Um, thank you, everyone. I am Dolores Tejada. On behalf of the uh, Milburn family and members of Team Stacy, I'd like to thank you all for honoring her today. Um, Stacy was a tremendous organizer, disability justice framework co-creator and worker and activist who centered disabled, queer, Black, Indigenous, people of color leadership because she believed that centering the most impacted in our work uh, was the way to achieve liberation. She was also intentional in the way that she organized, whether it was with the Radical Monarchs or for the Power to Live campaign. Um, The Power to Live campaign was also the last opportunity we had to organize together, one of the last opportunities. Uh, And Stacey had a way of showing up for people in in a way that brought out the best in them. She and I organized together for over 12 years, beginning um, in our 20s when we were still youth. Um, up until her passing, she was able to be level-headed and thoughtful and impactful in the moments when I felt flustered and angry at the inequities our communities face. Uh, we often joke that we were a earth sign power duo power couple. Um, 
she was a Taurus, I'm a Capricorn. Um, <laughs> well, if you know anything about astrology, you'll know that um, earth signs get things done. And that was very much who we were. <laughs> um, one of the last things that we did together, like I said, was to co see the Power to Live rally in December of 2019. Our voices rang together in between the tall buildings of downtown San Francisco, speaking about how PG&E's lack of accountability and um, connection to the fires in Northern California were harming people, not just in the vicinity, but across the state, and were killing people, killing disabled people because of uh, their lack of responsibility. And um, working alongside Stacy, knowing we had the same values, um, was one of the best things that I've ever done. Up against white supremacy, Stacy was a force. She was cunning and anything but subtle uh, in those moments. Uh, for this rally in particular, we made sure that there were literal beds in the plaza of the PG&E building uh, to illustrate that disabled people were showing up because our lives depended on it. And if someone needed to lay down on that bed to participate in the rally, then it was there for them. With Stacy, uh, this was just one example of how you could always show up as your full self and you would be respected. To highlight more of Stacy's brilliance, we have this video that I would like to go to now. My attendants helped me do everything, getting out of bed and toileting and getting ready for the day. And that's all funded through Medicaid. Hi Corwin, this is Stacy with Accommodations. I'm able to work right now 40 hours a week, but that's possible because I have attendant support. Medicaid paid for my shower today, it made it so I was able to eat breakfast, helped me put on my clothes. How's it going? I breathe because of Medicaid, my ventilator. I move through the world because of a wheelchair funded by Medicaid. Medicaid touches everything in my life and makes everything possible and it's not just healthcare but it's really about my ability to participate in society is because of Medicaid programs. I think too disability justice has just been, I don't know, like when we think about there's like a really limited idea of access and accessibility and when we're really, really able to stretch it out to like what do people need to be who they are, it becomes like creating a world where everybody can really participate. Mothers, we've seen that work out well, and um, yeah, working class folks, everybody, and disability kind of really pushes that forward. So I think it's frequently really easy to talk about disability justice as an idea, but it's really hard to talk about how do we make it a practice, both collectively and just our personal practices. But I don't think we can have a world where the, the world that we dream of unless we're also concretely building it at the same time. Um, it's been pretty scary to navigate COVID-19 as a ventilator user. Um, I was quite frightened early on when my doctor shared that I would likely not survive an exposure. My caregivers who were not able to fully shelter in place have had to step back from working with me. As a disabled person, it felt really critical not to get sick. I saw a public safety alert from Santa Clara County asking people to identify if they use a ventilator for county inventory. I need my ventilator to breathe. 
my friends and I made emergency plans about what to do if someone shows at my door, shows up at my door asking to for my backup ventilator. I was getting advice from friends in medical fields. If disabled people get sick, we may not get care. We may be turned away. We may be discriminated against. This is the key reason why my friends and I with the Disability Justice Culture Club started organizing a mutual aid project to support disabled people in the East Bay. We are currently supporting over 100 people with disabilities and staying safe as possible so they do not wind up getting sick and needing to navigate a discriminatory healthcare system. The disability community has a long-standing mistrust of the medical system. Yet we have to navigate it every day, especially Black, Indigenous, and people of color whose pain is not taken seriously, not believed, and historically have faced resource and healthcare deprivation. It is well established that Black people in the United States experience more illness, worse healthcare outcomes, and premature death compared to white people. Doctors take an oath to treat all patients equally, yet we know that this is not the case. This is why there has to be checks and balances on hospitals and nursing homes. Otherwise, disabled people, especially people of color, are left alone in a system that already doesn't care about us. Everything that we have right now in terms of community living and appropriate medical care didn't happen by itself. Disability rights advocates and racial justice advocates fought long and hard for it and will fight long and hard now for people to survive COVID-19 and discrimination. Thank you. When I'm dreaming about the future, I want people with disabilities and families and supports to have higher expectations for what's going to happen. I'm hopeful that doctors will be allies to us and see themselves as um, supporters of this work in our own work to live independent lives. Thank you. Um, and to continue that um, work, to continue her work, uh, we should ask ourselves, um, what what are the lessons that Stacy taught us? Uh, and I wanna share a couple that she has taught me um, and that I carry with me to continue to honor her legacy. The first one is that our systems are flawed, but our body minds are whole. And so what I mean by that is that while the systems that we live under, white supremacy, capitalism, um, and the systems that we have to access, healthcare, education, et cetera, um, those are not created with the most impacted in mind. So as service providers, as community, we should aim to fill the gaps of the system to ensure that disabled people are getting our needs met, not attempt to shift the need of, the, of disabled people. Um, the second thing is to not assume, to ask. And that means uh, that deciding uh, what people need takes away their agency and only continues to foster um, toxic paternalism. So we should be asking people what it is that they need. Disabled people need affirmation and accomplices is one of the other things. And this just speaks to trusting disabled people as the experts of our own lives, 
and affirming our existence and joining us in our collective fight for liberation by recognizing our leadership, our skills, and our brilliance. Um, Stacy once shared that she would want disabled people, people with disabilities, 20 years from now to not think that they were broken. Um, she said, you to not think that there's anything spiritually or physically or emotionally wrong with them, was what she said. And the way that we get to that is by honoring our existence and changing systems to make sure that we can reach collective liberation. One of the last things that Stacy did was in response to COVID-19 um, and putting together the Disability Justice Culture Club. And that culture club, um, that, that program is still providing mutual aid, care and support services for um, people with disabilities in the East Bay today, um, making sure that uh, disabled people survived COVID-19 by doing tasks that seem um, that could seem minimal, but are actually life-saving, such as making sure groceries are delivered to people in a safe way, already disinfected to people's homes. Um, and uh, so I encourage everyone, if you want to learn more about Stacy's work and one of the last things that she did to plug into Disability Justice Culture Club. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you so much for honoring her today. Thank you so much, Dolores. That was really, that was really great. I love the video. Um, I, I think that uh, my recollection is that um, Obama uh, commented on the, so, the social uh, club that uh, you that you mentioned, and that Stacy was so excited that uh, I think she'd gotten a tweet that he tweeted about this project. So, um, so yeah, she had a huge impact, and she will be missed uh, tremendously. Absolutely. Thank you again. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.